the founder of the Lubbock County Militia, you get your own radio show. It's the other side of Texas with Jay Lisa. If you haven't climbed up to Enchanted Rock, drink a cold shiner down. And hey there! Thank you for tuning in, and thank you for telling a friend that you hang out on the other side of Texas. I'm your host, Jay West, Texas Leeson. Actually, sitting in the captain chair right now. Have not sat in the captain chair and done a show before, but I've got the board in front of me, and uh, we're just going to see how this goes. Go 80 miles an hour down the dirt road and uh, just throw the steering wheel out the window. I've got uh, Anthony the Man Kern Garza uh, sitting here with me, teaching me along the way. Glad that you are here today. Great show for you. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Tribune. My counselor on Texas politics coming up uh, here in about 15 minutes or so. And then Thomas Mooney. You may know him on Twitter, at NewSling. On Twitter, uh, Thomas Mooney going to come in. He's a uh, music journalist, and he's going to be telling us what uh, we should be listening to. And he's going to do a good critique of uh, of our bumper music here on the other side of Texas. Uh, he knows a lot more about all this than I do, so we're glad that Thomas Mooney's coming in. We've had a big week of news, and um, we've missed a big story yesterday. President Trump vowed on, well, it wasn't on, yes, yeah, it was on Monday, excuse me. Speaking at a meeting of the National Space Council, Trump ordered the Pentagon to establish a national space force that would become the sixth branch of the armed forces. Now, in where this is broadcasting from, in West Texas, we have... Hold on one second. Am I doing this right, Anthony? This is my microphone, the, one. the first one? Yeah. And it's supposed to be at 1030. Uh, yeah, 1030. So, yeah. I don't... Can I hear my... Okay, I can hear myself in the microphone. Sorry. A little technical difficulty there. Uh, we've got all these Air Force bases out in this part of Texas, uh, west of I-35. And maybe we could have some more. Who knows? More on that in a minute. We are, a, we are going to have a Space Force, Trump said in Washington, D.C., an Air Force and a Space Force, separate but equal. So, some Plessy Ferguson there in the armed services. This is not the first time that Trump has floated the idea of establishing a Space Force. The President mentioned the idea in May during a ceremony at the White, at the White House honoring the Army Black Knights college football team. Trump did not go into details about what military role so-called Space Force would carry out or who would command it, but he framed space as a national security issue, saying he does not want, quote, China and Russia and the other countries leading us, which leads us and me into a very difficult conversation last night to sit Mrs. Leeson down and to say, look, Trump's talking about this Space Force thing. And when Trump gets on these bins, he's not going to come off of them. Unless the polls change with, with minor uh, migrant children. But we'll talk about that with, with Ross Ramsey here in just a moment. But I said, hey, listen, I think I'm a good candidate for the space force might have to jump in to the space force and she said you're too out of you're too out of shape and you're you're too fat to be in any sort of armed services and you're too old and i said it's space don't you know anything about physics there is no weight there is no limitation in space all i know that i'd have to do is go up there armageddon style and fix stuff and blow stuff up and Listen, I've seen all the movies. You don't have anything to worry about. Avatar, I'm not attracted by extraterrestrial creatures. Total Recall, see you at the party, Richter. It was something, whatever he says there. I've seen all the movies. Interstellar at IMAX. <laughs> I, can, I know the wormholes, the black holes, Rogue One. And I know about 
the danger that we face here on this earth with automation and becoming fat kids and it's the space force who's going to have to bring us off the cliff if not everybody gets on carb-free diets and eventually it's going to take a space force to get us out of this jam and speaking of jams space jam that's right and uh, she rolled her eyes and went back to reading her book. And I thought, can't you just dream with me here? You can't just dream with me. But how great would it be to have some Space Force stations out here? And we already have one, right? I mean, we've got one down in Van Horn, privately run. But we're already doing it. And people are going to look for places to do this. And wide open space is what they're going to need. So... I vote Mike Conaway, Jody Arrington. I hope you're all listening. We want the first Space Force base in West Texas, and we will take over the intergalactic galaxy from West Texas. We'll do it. Just watch us. And, and I can show, I'll build up a company, I'll give them all the movies to watch. I don't care how fat you are, how out of shape you are, the space suits are made for fat people. It's not like we're going to walk around in yoga suits. And by the way, parent advisory, I saw this on the Facebook the other day, which means that it's true, 100% true. But my kids, my four-year-old, I've talked about this before on the program, but he wears he likes under armor except he calls it farmer armor because that material is just made of oil right and and i just i'm digressing because i'm all over the place right now but the space force is a thing but just stick with me yoga pants i can't imagine that whenever i was in college especially that yoga pants would be a thing and I don't want to get off into like some some weird creeper mode thing, but it's crazy to me that that uh, that that's a thing now. But here's the deal: if you wear that stuff by campfires, apparently it just lights up, and their kids are getting hurt by sparks coming off the fire, and their clothes lighting up. So, yes. Yes, I know those of you, yes, I just got a text on it, yes. Unabashed advocation of cotton. Cotton doesn't light up like a marshmallow in a flame for too long whenever you walk by a campfire. I've never seen that. I've worn a lot of jeans around campfire. It never happened. But farmer armor will light up. It will light up. Anyway, no yoga suits in space. Big fat guys spacesuits. Everybody's eligible, and uh, we'll put a base out here, and we'll just take over. You know, we're already taking over the continent out of out of West Texas, and we'll just go ahead and take over all the space and everything that's outside of space. But I will. This is my last thought, as it occurs to me. And I, well, I think I have. Okay, this is what I'm thinking. Trump. And this is the thing. If Trump's ever impeached, every secret ever is... He's going to say, whoa, whoa, it wasn't Rafael Cruz who was an accomplice and killed JFK with Lee Harvey Oswald. It was... He's just going to start naming things out of confidential files. But he knows the files. Kearns, he saw what happened in Roswell. He knows what happened at Area 51. And what it suggests to me is that Trump knows that there's nothing out there that can beat us. That it's all a farce. All the space, all the alien stuff is just a farce. And so he wants to go... He, he didn't say anything about uh, whoever the bad guys were in Avatar. right? He didn't say anything about the dark side. He said we wanted to beat China and Russia in space. It says to me that he is admitting national security secrets... I'm just deducing from Trump that there's nothing out there and that the universe is ours. Let's go get it. And my argument to lead things off is let's lead it from West Texas. Let's go get it. Let's get out of the stratosphere and let's get out into outer space. And we'll do it all from West Texas. And that's... well. 
and my counterintuitive thought was Trump's crazy enough that maybe he does know that those things are out there and he wants to be the first president to take down some alien continent out there. I don't... Now I'm just confused. My, my intuition is there's nothing out there. And he says, let's just go get it and let's make space great again. I don't know. I'm at the mole on that. Your thoughts, 806-745-5800 as we go along in the program. 806-745-5800. Having some pretty intense conversation about whether I'm allergic to uh, glass cleaner. (laughs) No, I'm not. Do you know people who are? Yeah, I do. Mostly Lysol is what what I mention. Okay. Well, I guess better glass cleaner than peanut butter. Yeah. Whenever I was a kid, nobody was allergic to peanut butter. Back in the old days, they weren't. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, this segment brought to you by Racer Car Wash. Voted Lubbock's best wash round. Speaking of getting those windows clean, stop in at one of five convenient locations across the Hub City, and they'll get you fixed up. There's a reason why they were voted the best car wash for five years running. Great wash guaranteed. Racerwash.com. So uh, we're awaiting Ross Ramsey here on the program. President Trump signed, it's just Trump Day, I guess. Uh, President Trump has uh, signed an executive order to uh, bring on Ross Ramsey here. President Trump signed an executive order to in uh, the administration's policy of separating migrant families crossing the U.S.-Mexico border, abandoning the president's previous stance that only Congress can fix the problem. He is executive editor of the Text Tribune. Ross Ramsey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you, sir? I'm good. I'm behind the board today. Um, but they well, that's des- kind of scary. They decided that I needed to learn this just in case. Yeah, it's it like is- letting Captain Kirk have Mr. Sulu's position. It's kind of weird. Not... I know. I get easily. Like, it's hard for me to do more than like half a thing at once. But uh, this is what I'm doing right now. Uh, so we were we were both on vacation last week, right? Yes, sir. Which you, you want to talk about where you went, what you did? I went to a college graduation of my only child in Seattle, Washington, and everybody was happy and well fed. And well, congratulations. Thanks. Is she moving back? No. Okay. <laughs> She's it's, 20 degrees, it's 20 degrees cooler up there. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'm empathetic. But cloudy, right? Was it cloudy like half the time you were there? Actually, no. Summer in Seattle and, you know, the Pacific Northwest is absolutely gorgeous. The winters are hard because um, the, you know, the days are short because it's so far north and it, it does drizzle a lot, but um, summer's gorgeous. Well, let's talk for... I don't want to get into, and nor will you let me get into, as I sit down on my counselor's couch. You're not going to let me get into ideology here. I just went straight-line political analysis. And actually, I'd like for you to rank how significant the last 48 hours have been. Um, we know that in Texas, we've talked about the Republican convention and the first line, like Dan Patrick's primary ad. I'm with Trump. It's like the first five words out of their mouth is to identify with Trump. How significant right. has it been for you, Ross Ramsey, to watch over the last, I won't even say 48, 36 hours for people who have been strongly aligned with Donald Trump to come out and to decry this policy of separating migrant children from their parents? I think that they were... You know, this is a case, you know, this happens sometimes. This was a case where Republicans in particular were chasing their voters. Their voters' minds were changing with the news. And it's very difficult for a politician to get a a sounding on, you know, what his or her voters want when his or her voters are changing their positions. Um, In Texas, as I I understand it in other parts of the country, Female voters in particular, Republican female voters, were much less likely than male Republican voters to support the policy. In fact, the women are mostly against it, and the men are mostly for it. So 
if you're trying to find your footing politically, um, I think that's why you see a lot of people changing position. If you look at Ted Cruz's tweets at the beginning of this, which is you know kind of the closest place we have to getting a reading from him, and his tweets at the end of this, you can see him moving with the voters. You can see in today's action that Trump has moved from where he started by saying only Congress can fix this to fixing it himself. Mm-hmm. And I think he's looking at the, I think they're looking at the same numbers everybody else is looking at and saying, you know, the voters, um, however they feel about immigration and Republicans are strongly in favor of strict immigration laws, don't like this particular practice and want it stopped. Ross Ramsey, executive editor of the Texas Review, with us here. But it brings to mind, I mean, look, we've got this media versus uh, the administration, these different themes, and even, you know, you hear some of the big Texas leaders begin to talk about fake news. But to me, and you tell me if you think I'm wrong in my analysis, but how were women Republican voters' minds changing so rapidly and, you know, the audio from ProPublica that came out of children crying for mama and daddy, and uh, then the images that began, it was it was really something. Uh, do you think that it was the media that came into play there? Well, I don't know if it's the media. It's the, you know, it's the news. I don't know, you know, to the extent you want to separate that. I think that piece of information, you know, the thing about its kids. You know, it it humanized something that was just, you know, sort of out of sight, out of mind, and it humanized it in a way that really drew a lot of attention and a lot of emotional attention um, that these issues haven't or don't usually command. And um, I, I don't think this is a, I don't think Republicans are retreating from their positions on immigration, but I think they're, um, I mean, and you can see it in their actions, I think they're retreating at the moment from this particular practice. Hmm. So, significance-wise, have you seen, I mean, let's scan back three decades, have you seen, is this normal to see leaders of Texas government turn against an administration? Turning into the administration? No, turning against the administration. I don't think they are. I think the administration and the leaders were turning at the same time. And if you look at the comments from um, Governor Greg Abbott today and from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick they were both saying in their way we don't like this practice and we think Congress needs to act on immigration that's more or less in line with where the president is Okay. and both of them that's held fair. back and stuck with the president in Abbott's case um, wasn't really taking a policy position in Patrick's case you know basically just agreed with Trump so I think both of those guys are, you know, in political terms, trying to make sure there's not any daylight between them and Trump. Trump remains popular in Texas and among Republicans nationally. And that is true because they called for Congress to take action, uh, not for the president. That's where they're in line with the president. Mm. And the president has been saying up until this last minute, you know, um, Congress should take action. And, in fact, he's still saying in his, you know, um, executive order today that Congress should take action. He's, um, you know, the, you know, if you sort of peel away the paint on this, Congress did pass a law that allows this, and the Justice Department did put in place a zero tolerance policy a few weeks ago that um, brought that law passed by Congress to full force. So there's complicity in both branches of government, and Trump decided, you know based on the reactions that he's seeing and everybody else is seeing from the public, that he needed an executive order. But I don't think he's going to let up on Congress at all. And I think um, state officials and Republicans around the country, like Abbott and Patrick and some others, are going to uh, stay with him and try to keep some heat on Congress to pass some immigration laws. All right, Ross Ramsey, as we go forward. It was interesting, though. I mean, they used their own choice, especially the governor. I think what did he, he called it uh, despicable. I can't remember the adjectives he was using for what was going on down there, but he certainly made clear that um, that it that it was not in Texas's best interests or humanity's best interests, for that matter. What do you make of Cruz shifting on this? Do you think that he saw numbers, Ross? You mentioned his uh, tweets. You know, I think I you know. 
you know, I, I think he saw some numbers. I also think that, you know, they saw some practice here. They saw, you know, they got news just like the rest of us did. They saw, you know, they had an idea of, you know, whatever their idea was of what was going on down there. Um, when you impose all of these images and audio and all of the news about this, I think everybody, in, including the ruling class, learned a lot about what was going on down on the border and, you know, didn't like some of what they saw. So I think a lot of them are reacting um, in their official capacity the way a lot of, you know, Texans and Americans have reacted to the news of this. It's sort of like, I didn't know that was going on. Uh, we need to do something about it. Let's shift as we uh, close out here, Ross. Uh, I want to get into the conventions and the Republican, the Republican Party of Texas convention, and then of course you have the Texas Democrats this weekend coming up in Fort Worth. And I had this conversation on Monday on the program and asked the very question that that you've written about: is what's the function of these things at this point? I, you know, I don't think they're functional at this point. And you know, uh, I know I'll get a lot of argument from both the Republicans and the Democrats who go to these. But the, you know, party conventions used to choose nominees, you know, at the national level and at the state level. You'd go to this, you'd elect a bunch of delegates, they would go to the conventions, they would, um, that's the famous smoke-filled rooms, they would pick the candidates, they would set out party platforms and pick the candidates with those things in mind and hold the candidates to some extent to the planks of a party platform. And, you know, it was a part, it was an integral part of, you know, the process of getting elected to office. So the parties, through their conventions, had a voice in um, who got to office and how. And now they don't. You know, you can go to a party convention. The delegates don't have any say in nominating the Republicans and the Democrats. I should say here that the Green Party and the Libertarian Party in Texas both still pick their nominees at their conventions. So those conventions actually have a purpose. The Democrats and the Republicans go to their things. They don't pick the candidates. They do vote for a platform, but they can't hold their candidates to the platform. And there's nothing to, you know, there's no hammer. There's no, you know, stick with the platform or we won't nominate you. There's no or else there. But so really, it's a way to charge up your most active troops and hope that they'll go out and stay organized and get things going for the general election. But they don't have nearly the Democratic, it's small d, Democratic power that they used to have. You know, not that long. Yeah. Well, I'll just ask you this. It seems to me that part of the machinery or the dynamic or the utility—the utility—that's the word I want. Third time's a charm. The utility <laughs> of the of the convention on the Republican side is to get a chairman in place who can bring down the hammer on legislature members. At least that's what I hear inside the Beltway especially with uh, James Dickey, who won, that he's got a motive. I think he called them all to a meeting in the last legislature and said, you will do this, you will follow the platform, or else, one of those kinds of messages. So it's well, could- stop right there. Or else is where they fail. Or else is where these things don't have any clout. Or else what? Not, the party can't do anything to them. You can call them out and you can you know, call them names and you can shake your finger at them, but there's not anything about, you know, we're going to support your opponent or... You know, those things just don't come to pass. The party bosses don't have the political juice they used to have. And, you know, um, no slights with with Chairman Dickey or with anybody else who has those jobs, but those jobs aren't as important as they used to be, and that's, you know, why so many of us don't need to know their names. Hmm. Ross Ramsey, what are you writing on? Uh, we have a poll coming out. I'm not going to flash it to you, but... Um, mm. We have a poll coming out, so I'm in the early stages of that. We are going to run a piece of it tomorrow on this immigration stuff. You'll see some of the things that we were just talking about. You know, the women University and... of Texas, Texas Tribune poll? Yes, sir. Okay, um, good timing. So you'll see some things on separating parents and, and children tomorrow and NAFTA, and then the rest of the poll will run next week when we had originally scheduled it. We, we moved this piece up because of the news. Oh, nice. Okay. You can do that because you're an executive editor. <laughs> just flick a switch, right? At Ross Ramsey on Twitter. I know that a lot of people enjoy listening to you, Ross, and I'm going to get off the couch now. I appreciate the time. I appreciate it. You take care. All right. Thomas Mooney, a music journalist, in with us. Uh, Thomas, how are you, bud? 
Oh, not too bad. Just uh, trying to stay out of this West Texas heat right now. Well, good luck. So <laughs> you and I know a lot of mutual people, and a lot of mutual people that you know, that I know, say a lot of great things about you. And I talk to people, I'm like, well, you know, I don't, I kind of, I get stuck in a rut, right? So, like, one week I go to one particular place and buy my lunch. And then the next week I go to another place. It's not like I shift things up. And so my music gets that way, too. And, I, you know, what can I do? I need to hit reset on some of this stuff and get into some new stuff. And they said, well, new slang, man, Thomas Mooney, that's who you need to be talking to. Yeah, and so I'm here. I'm. Uh, How long you been doing this? Uh, I've been, well, I guess about six, seven years now. I started over at South Plains College and uh, started talking about the local music scene there, and just kind of stuck around and started writing about local music and have yeah doing some freelance stuff. But a lot and, of great stuff coming out of South Plains. Like yeah, for uh, for decades. Yeah, I think that. Um, you know, just forever, like the uh, the music scene's been amazing here, but um, but uh, well, can you hear me there now? Yeah, I, don't know. I I can I could hear you before. I just want to make sure you. Oh, okay. Some, yeah, we're doing well, some. Uh, we're high efficient people <laughs> here. Yeah, but it, yeah, the music scene right now is just really uh, to one of the strongest places in in texas and in uh the nation really still here south plains everywhere yeah here in lubbock really yeah. there's a lot of uh great singer songwriters coming out of the blue light and um just this region really you know tell me because i missed out on a lot of this whenever i was at tech i was doing youth ministry which meant a lot of things but also meant on Saturday night, you weren't down in the depot district till two thirty, and you know it's fine. I'm sure there are a lot of people who drink deep uh, diet coke in the depot district <laughs> at two thirty, right? But it missed out on that whole scene. Now, you know, mid thirties coming into forty, yeah, I'm familiar with it now. But who who is there in Lubbock uh, at the especially at Blue Light, who's fostering this kind of talent and attracting this kind of talent? Well, really, the uh, you can kind of just go back to the the songwriter night. Monday nights is an open mic that was kind of established by uh, Brandon Adams, who longtime Lovick songwriter here, and kind of been passed down to various people: Red Shahan, uh, Kenneth O'Meara. Is Red from here? Red is originally from a little town called Pine Bluff, but he spent probably eight years here. So uh, you've written in what we need to get all your bona fides out here. You've written for different publications. Yeah, um, right now I'm primarily working for Wide Open Country, uh, an online magazine, uh, and I've got a music podcast called the New Sling Podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. It's about once a mo- once a week or so, um, and I've just written for a few other oh. places like Texas Music Magazine and. Lone Star Music Magazine here and there, but all right, yeah. Well, so this is how I want to lead off. Uh, I'm going to keep you till the top of the hour. You good with that? Yeah, I'm. I'm fine with that. Let's uh, talk about some music that can shift up our podcasts and our bumper music here on the show. And uh, I'm going to assume, since we're featuring their music, that they aren't going to come after me later, <laughs> especially in the online edition of this show on the podcast. Uh, but let's just start with some songs that you sent me and we'll just play the song in the background you'll tell me why you sent me the song what's going on uh in the lyrics what's going on in the melody and the harmonies and all that stuff and then tell us about the artist as well so we'll start with randall king here uh the song is taking me a heartbreak let me turn it up for the audience there yeah, uh, well, this is like a... I kind of sent you all West, Tes- West Texas-centric kind of artists and uh, all bands who really have new stuff. Randall, he just uh, released this record, I guess, two two months ago or so. Uh, it was just recently announced that he co-wrote a new song on Garth Brooks' upcoming record. So that's kind of a, you know, 
big deal. Yeah. But uh, yeah, he's got a real neo-traditional neo kind of uh, '90s country, late '80s country vibe. It's a big deal, man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. '90s are back. Yeah, it's back, and he's uh, he's just got like one of them classic country crooner voices, you know, in the style of Alan Jackson or Keith Whitman. Yeah, just one of the one of the shining stars up and comers right now in the West Texas and in Nashville in general or in country country music and people let's listen of course this time it's split in half it's taking everything I have to be strong so I'm taking me a heartbreak so out of West Texas, which part of West Texas? Uh, he's from up from around Amarillo. Home to mama. So, hey, that's my drive across the country. We're all in this together. Just taking so, a heartbreak. Wait, what did you call it? How did you characterize his voice? Like a country crew. Kind of like in that. I think really, if you look back at like George Strait, he kind of really. Modernized the the country crooner style, like mixing old school country and even like you know that little bit of the the Frank Sinatra style, you know, yeah. adding that croon aspect to it. Yeah, this time I, I kind of get on the thing this weekend. And we'll get back into the playlist here in a minute. But we went. I I'm not high fluent, so my truck doesn't have XM radio. My wife's Lincoln XM radio, so I'm not familiar that familiar with XM. It seems to me there are like four country stations on XM, mm-hmm. maybe something like that. And um, so we're driving, and I begin to listen to stuff, and I cannot believe that there's this Y2 country with a K. Y2 country. <laughs> and it was terrible. Right. Yeah, it was absolutely, like, I'm glad none of the kids were like, oh, let's listen to that, because I would have, like, punched out the dashboard and paid for it later. But I did get into, there is a station called Prime Country. Yeah, and that's like 90s country. Yes, and so they got in. We were rolling into Taos to eat lunch, and, um, and this Billy Dean uh, special came on, and he was playing some songs. He was talking about this comeback that he's making, and it was all under the under this 90s comeback that he was being brought back out is it just because guys like me are getting older and we don't like what we hear is this like my dad driving around in the Toyota Celica around Floyd County listening to like music from the 60s as like a throwback or is this something that's got some legs to it you know I think um, most most music um most of the music scene goes through these little waves, right, of what's hot and what's not. And, uh, you know, the last 10 years or so, or maybe not 10 years, about five years or so, we saw a real influx of the, the bro country stuff that you were talking about on the uh, Y2K channel and, um, you know, the, the pop country aspects. And um, I think that that's starting to die down in a lot of ways. It's starting to, the pendulum is starting to shift back to, more of an old school uh, style, so uh, naturally that that fits for the the neo traditional artists of the '90s. So I think it's uh, going to start coming back a little. So Randall King will move to Ross Cooper, right? Is that yeah? It's Ross Cooper and Old Crow Whiskey and a Cornbread Moon. Yeah. Uh, Ross, he's a he's a Lubbock guy. He used to be a former professional bear bonk bear bronc rider, and uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, he moved up to Nashville, started writing songs more and more. When he was living here, he was always writing stuff. But uh, so is he like a blue light Monday night guy? Uh, he was at one time. He he lives up in Nashville though now. And he. he uh, that's where this new record right here is called I Rode the Wild Horses. Uh, that's what this is off of. Uh, I don't know, he just, this record really taps into the old school cowboy kind of motto and 
version of Texas disappearing and I don't know it's, it's a great record it came out a couple months back I guess gonna keep so it cheap with I'm a rich man I'm gonna build me a house and live off the land and find me a wife start a family they're gonna look like her but they'll act like me Give that to my boy, Cowboy Ken. Yeah, I started. I gave you when I looked at the list later. I noticed almost everyone started with an R. It was like Randall Ross, Red, yeah, uh, so on. And Red's last name is Shahan or Shahan? Shahan. Shahan. Okay. Yes, and he's from. Uh, the little town of like Pine Bluff, I believe. Oh, I'm like sorry, that. I already asked you that question. Yeah. Yeah. And then he wrote Culberson. An album is Culberson County. So let me ask you about this first. Because worse, I, I downloaded that album. I've listened to the whole thing a few times. The mayor of Stanford, James Decker, highly Jack. recommended it. And I like a couple of songs, but man, you talk about writing about a place to the point where you're like, Man, maybe I want to go like visit somewhere else. Like that <laughs> album can get a little bit depressing. Not the song we're about to listen to, but a couple of those songs. Yeah, he really uh, starts. He started writing a lot about the uh, the underbelly of uh, of West Texas. You uh -huh. know, the the stuff people want to kind of ignore. Yeah, the uh, wrong side of the tracks, if you will. And I mean, even alluding into opioid crisis and uh, people who just are just stuck and are rudderless and a lot of that comes out in his songs mm -hmm. um, maybe not water bill here let's check this out before we hit the next break uh, red cheyenne here this one moves yeah. so what are you hearing with red right now separates him from the rest of the world? well you know i think uh you're know, you talking about writing about stuff that is, uh, you know, the, the bad side. Uh, he's not, a, what I would say, he's a, he's not afraid to write what he feels and what he wants. But and, uh, musical, um, musical characteristics here, even in Waterville right now. But I think that, uh, there's a lot of textures and tones that are West Texas, you know, um, especially on that Culberson County, there is that kind of, um, I kind of it a little bit to the Explosions in the Sky uh, post-rock band who they're out of Midland and they did like all the Friday Night Lights stuff and uh, you kind of feel the wind and that dust hitting you in the face on that song you know it's uh, I don't know a lot of yellow red uh, textures to these guitars and the sonic palette <laughs> uh, we have Thomas Mooney here in the studio. We're going to get this break, get back in with three or four more artists. And uh, you got any texts, you got any questions, 806-745-5800. Thomas Mooney, music journalist here in based out of Lubbock, hanging out in the depot, checking out all the talent uh, in Lubbock and the region. You can find him underscore at new slang and yeah. his podcast there on apple new slang podcast yes sir why why new slang well i uh it's a long story uh okay. but the the abbreviated version is that there was this uh, band called the shins who i absolutely loved um and they had a song called new slang and um i always just kind of thought it sounded like a magazine all right because you cover a lot more than country, but do yeah, you, do you prefer country? Uh, I mean, I think um, I mean I love country and I love all kinds of music, but I I think that part of it is just you know the the area 
were in, you know, um, mm-hmm. if, if there was a, had been a lot more rock and roll acts that were coming out of Lubbock, I probably would be talking a lot more about rock and roll acts. But okay. that's fair enough. Well, acts that we've got to get into here are uh, next up on our. I asked them. I said, look, if you're just joining the program, Thomas Mooney knows all this stuff, and I've got we have mutual friends. Say, man, I really need to check out some new bumper music for the show, but I want it to be really good stuff. I don't just want to go with the old hits that I know. Let, let's draw in some people on the program. And uh, they said, well, you got to get ahead of, a hold of Mooney. And so I got a hold of them. And we've already played through um, four. We've got a couple more left here. And you can go and you can listen to this edition other side of texas on our podcast to check out if you're just joining us uh this is mike and the moon pies a lot of moon pie stuff going on did we already listen to this one no we didn't no not. we listened to cornbread moon yeah cornbread moon so yeah. i got the two confused <laughs> eating the moon both ways uh mike and the moon pies so tell us instrumentally what we're hearing and then what well, I think that uh, kind of like Randall, they're they're kind of uh, deeply rooted in that '80s neo-traditional sound. They're a little bit more, I think, uh, a little bit more '80s and '90s style. And I feel like this is just one of those that um, feels like an old '80s song, top 40, big hit by insert name here, whatever your favorite '80s artist is. Um, yeah, this is off their new record that came out at the beginning of the year, and uh, they're an Austin band, and they just kind of, one of the best pound-for-pound honky-tonk bands in Texas right now. So, uh, this song right here is just kind of about, it, it follows that classic country trope of, uh, you know, losing all your money at the gambling casino, and, uh, you know, trying to put off that news to the wife back at home as long as possible, you know. Let's check them out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. It's I think so. I mean, uh, I honestly have no idea the song, but. So I can dig that. Yeah. Find some bummer music for that. Now, one thing you did bring me was uh, was sorry for that hard break there. Uh, John Bauman. 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 Yeah. Now, on my honeymoon, we took this Pat Green album with us, a live album, and it was at Green Hall. Mm-hmm. And John. Bauman covering Nightmare. Right, yeah. And that's the only version that I could find immediately was and if you hadn't heard Nightmare before Last night I had me a nightmare I'm going to listen to him sing I turned the Texas was burning down He kind of sounds like a little bit of Herford with a lot of Pat Green And all the MPs <laughs> have grown up to And Pat married a lot of girls So I cried Well, uh, I kind of decided to do, you know, kill two birds with one stone on this one. Uh, this is part of a, there's a Pat Green tribute record out right now that has, that makes me feel old. Uh, I can't yeah, imagine how old that makes him feel. It has, like, Randy Rogers on it and Radney Foster and, uh, mm-hmm, and, uh, Redney, uh, you know, I guess there's a more contemporary, but like even Walt Wilkins is on it, and uh, Bauman, William Clark Green's on it, and then of course, like Bauman 
as a songwriter himself, you know, he uh, he's originally like he was born up in Amarillo, but basically grew up in San Antonio, and he's always just kind of been infatuated with uh, the West Texas uh, storytelling of Joe Ely and Terry Allen and uh, so on, and. Uh, he released a record last year called Proving Grounds that's just if you're into really great uh, storytelling that's the uh, the way to go the name of the album is what? Proving Grounds alright hit a couple more while I I could just talk with you forever Uh, Cody Jinks uh, a lot of people familiar with him at this point and the song is Must Be The Whiskey yeah this is his uh, new single that he uh, just released last week in preparation of a new record it's going to be coming out I don't have the release date on me right now but uh, yeah I mean he's just blowing up you know, he's uh, this is the first single and I think it's just uh, it kind of captures everything that everyone loves about Jinx that uh, of course that deep baritone voice and kind yeah. of Kind of like Ragged. The, the Toby Keith without selling cowboy hats in roadside gas station. <laughs> or wearing yeah. hats from roadside gas Whiskey. Here, other side of Texas with our friend Thomas Mooney. As we go forward, uh, hit a couple more here. Wade Bowen has... Uh, Death, Dying, and Deviled Eggs. Is this a new album, Solid Ground? Or? Uh, yeah, that's on his new record. Um, that just came out, I think, in February is when it was. Um, this song right here, him and John Randall, who John Randall's a, you know, a really accomplished songwriter up in Nashville, and uh, they they wrote this song, and it's kind of got that Guy Clark, John Prine kind of feel to it. Um, it. It's about you know attending a funeral and. I don't know, they just really capture the, uh, have you ever gone to like a funeral where it's, it's not necessarily just all sad, but you, you kind of get in that melancholy kind of feel, uh, they, they really capture that sublime feeling for it, at least in my opinion. There were hugs to give and a few more tears to cry, then we closed the lid and we gave him one last ride. And we laid him in the ground Headed back to town There were casseroles and pecan pies Mom's sweet tea and beer on ice Hell of a way to say goodbye, I guess Preacher cleared his throat and then he said Everybody bow your heads And just like that, everything It's good. You know, I uh, have been meaning to have Terry Allen on this program, but you mentioned him earlier. Just close out with this. And you're probably already familiar with the story, but I asked Terry about, I reached out to him and said, listen, you got to explain something to me. Because <laughs> you talk about me in a rut. Like, my go-to is Robert O. King's number two dinner. Like, Mm -hmm. that's when I'm... I mean, there's some Ray Wiley stuff, and then there's Robert O. King. And um, I said, what's the deal? Because I'm from Hill County, and we all know I-27. And the Amarillo... Even Amarillo Highway, whenever it was 87, in the, the early 60s. I wasn't alive then. But everybody knows that... I-27, especially in this part of the world, took the route of 87. And what's the deal with you talking about uh, a high straight and plain view, a side bet in Idloo, and a fresh deck in New Deal? Nobody drives all the way out to Idloo and then comes back over. <laughs> That's, it's way off the route. And um, I can't remember the guy's name. I should have looked this up before I had you on. I didn't know I was going to bring it up. But Terry said that there was his friend had come out to do an interview with him and had said that Idlew was on the Amarillo Highway and so he stuck it to him in that song. And so for for years and years now we've all been singing like 
Idlib just sits right there on I-27. <laughs> I mean, there are so many people across the world who are absolutely confused about where Idlib is, but they made the song because that's where Terry was recording at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I never heard that part, but I always kind of just figured, you know, um, Terry got out of here out of Lubbock at 18 as fast as he could, and uh, he always talked about coming back home and just driving around on the loop, just making circles, and I always kind of just figured... Um, a lot of that driving was like he never went up to Amarillo. He was just trying to get out of the house, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And just uh, you know how you you get into a car sometimes and just drive around and end up no. in all these little towns. But hmm. he said this. Yeah, we'll close out. But that's I said uh, asked him the question. He said my friend Dave Hickey wrote an article about visiting my studio in 1969 when I was living in Lubbock for about five months. The studio was out on the highway to Idaloo, but he said it was on the Amarillo Highway in his article. And <laughs> I was working on the song at the time, and Side Bet suddenly made perfect sense. I even dedicated the song to Dave on the album to remind him of his screw-ups. <laughs> That's uh, good stuff. Thomas, I hope you won't be a stranger out here. Yeah. Maybe we can get oh. uh, some some fresh digs from you every once in a while. I would love that. No. Again, his podcast is New Sling. You find it on Apple Podcasts. Thomas Mooney on Twitter, underscore at New Sling. And uh, you can follow him there and tell him you appreciate his contributions. You'll hear some bumper change music here on Other Side of Texas. Thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, well, thank you for inviting me. Uh, with that, we're going to close out. i got to get home. Going to get home. Got an above-average supper, I'm sure, but a great family, I'm absolutely certain of. Uh, catch us here tomorrow on the program. And, again, you catch all this stuff on podcasts. See all of our new stuff. I have a new one coming up statewide uh, in a statewide publication about the politics. Not what's going on with the vet school, but the politics behind it in the larger-than-life Texas politicians who are driving it to I, I, I think we're I think the title is going to be the game of Texas higher ed hold'em going on in the panhandle with the vet school so you can be on the watch out for that thank you for tuning in wouldn't be here without you appreciate you and for Anthony Kearns Garza teaching me the ways on the board Thomas Mooney and Ross Franzo check you out next time right here on the other side of Texas.